that's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one clock mocking minute at a time. I'm Bobby. And I'm Janae. And we are your hosts for Beauty and the Beastly Minute. We are glad that you are back here with us again on this wonderful Monday, and we hope that you had a great weekend. Janae, how was your weekend? My weekend was very good. Thank you for asking. (laughs) As was mine. Well, we hope that your weekend was better than Belle's because we left her searching for her father in a castle all weekend long. And the minute starts with Belle asking, Papa, are you there? And ends with Belle saying, that's funny. I'm sure there was someone. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Someone what? (laughs) What could she be wondering? Someone there. Okay, so how does she get through this castle so fast? I feel like... Is this a montage of her going through the castle? Because it seems really big to me for her to be able to make it that far. Yes, I think it's just showing us that she's wandering the castle. I forgot, I've still got this fan going. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't say anything! I can't hear it. Oh my gosh, you'll be able to hear it on the recording. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I think she's just, this is just a montage of her walking around showing that she's looking for him in different places. Okay, so... As you see her walking through this huge corridor, you can see like multiple levels and there are these huge walls with, they kind of look like they could be walkways along these walls, but they kind of just look like shelf things. Oh yeah, the little decorative like trim that goes around. Yeah, and then above that there's these huge candelabras that are sconced uh, to the wall. Yeah. And there's like six or eight of them. I don't know how many in the whole scene picture. Uh-huh. And if those like trim things are really just trim, how did they light those? Like before the castle was enchanted and the ca- candles are enchanted, how would somebody have lit those? Now that you point that out, I don't think they are decorative. I think that is a walkway to get around whatever those pillar things are there for, because you can see it's kind of got the railing that goes along and then that railing continues around the columns. Um, so I think that's the, the handrail for that walkway that kind of goes around and that's it's how still they would light them rather tall, but that makes it more believable to me. Yeah. Then they can get one of those like fancy poles with a, with a light thing on it and, and light them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't, never noticed that before. I was uh, kind of focused on the scary Grim Reaper guy in the left-hand corner there, <laughs> and the Minotaurs, it looks like, on yeah. every level. Um. So she's walking through, and she's looking for her dad, and then it cuts to the kitchen. First of all, my very first thought in this minute, when it cuts to the kitchen, is just, Chip, you're so cute! <laughs> Cutest voice ever! <laughs> I just love it. Do we know how old um how old the actor was when he when he voiced Chip? Oh, I don't know that actually. Hmm. But I just know his voice um whoever um okay, well, I'm sorry to whoever played Chip in the new movie. <laughs> you were cute, but your voice is not as cute as this Chip. Just saying. 
I'm biased, maybe, but that's my opinion. Can't make me change it. Why Sorry. is Mrs. Potts doing her dishes in a metal pail? So, that's a good question that I don't really have a good answer for. Come on, Bobby. Get it together. Well, maybe because there aren't enough dishes being used to justify filling up a whole sink full of hot water. So, maybe. she's just like, okay, well, we're really only feeding the beast at this point. Nobody else eats anything. So... Why fill up a whole thing when you can do it in this little pail? Hmm. Plus, then she can call it a tub, like get in the tub. I think that's what she says, right? Into the tub. Yeah, that's what she says. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tub, and we think like bathtub, but that's like a wash tub. We think, oh, that's, you know, into the tub, like bathtub. Like gives us that instead of, hey, get into the sink, which is less humanizing than get into the tub. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I guess you could call a sink a tub too, but eh. that's just me. I don't know. I don't know. A tub for me has I to I mean, be it's good. a cool looking pale and i had never even it never even crossed my mind i had never even thought of it until like today when i was watching it and i just thought what (laughs) i don't get it okay and also where is chip hanging out that he knows that there's a girl in the castle yeah that's a good question (laughs) because we don't see him seeing her do we no (laughs) i mean but he saw her because he says he saw her yeah. So I'm like, where were you? Yeah, that's know. a good question. But she, I mean, she was wandering around, so he guess he was just out hanging out. Maybe. But I did just look up, actually. Uh, Bradley Pierce, who is the voice of Chip, he was born in 82. This movie came out in 91, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he was nine when it came out, which means he was probably like seven or eight when he did the voice. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. So, very small. Very young. I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't want me to say he's cute, but he's not cute. <laughs> yeah, he's best known for being the voice of Chip, and then he was Peter Shepard in Jumanji, Jumanji, which I'm sure most people are like, oh, Jumanji. That's what I always think of. Yep. Yeah. And then he was also Pete Lender in The Borrowers, and yeah. since then, he has done lots of voiceover work as characters in shows and uh, animated stuff. So he's been in a lot of uh, a lot of smaller roles as voiceover stuff. I thought it was funny. Mrs. Potts gets so angry about him making up wild stories. And at first I was like, why is she angry at him for saying that? But then I thought, well, maybe it's because she doesn't want to deal with the pain of it not being true. And having Mm -hmm. something like that ripped away. And she doesn't want to have false hope. And so she stays away from it altogether. What do you think? I don't know. That makes a lot of sense. I never really thought about it besides just like, hey, she's a mother, you know, and doesn't want her kid making up stories. But that would make a lot of sense, especially since he's younger. And this is kind of where my whole theory and a lot of like the actually making Beauty and the Beast thing work kind of falls apart because of Chip and his age. And whenever the curse breaks, that he's still, you know, a young child. Uh-huh. And he would have had to have been turned into a kid at, you know, 10 years prior. So he would be a teenager when the spell broke, supposedly. Uh-huh. But anyway, so he is a child, which for whatever reason, he he didn't have as much taken away from him. So whether he was a child that turned into a teacup and he doesn't really remember that much of being a human or... Some other reason, you know, he came along later as a child. Maybe to him, breaking the curse is just this story, this idea that he has, he has heard of. 
And so mm. maybe he's come up with stories of like, oh yeah, if the curse breaks, blah, 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 and makes up stories about it like kids do in pre- playing pretend. Point. And she's very serious about this. Like, hey, this is something that's very emotional and important for the rest of us who remember being humans. And some people might have some serious, you know, psychological issues with what's happening to them. And if they hear him making up stories, oh, there's a girl, they'll go into like, a uh, psychotic breakdown or something. Well, maybe. So maybe he was a baby when he got turned into a teacup? Well, part of the problem, do we see it in this minute? No, we don't see it in this minute. But we see later on in the movie is that there are a lot of his siblings. You know, she says, go get in the cupboard with your brothers and sisters. And we see that there are a lot of other teacups in the cupboard. And if I remember correctly, they are also... You know, they have faces and they're sleeping. So they are actual people that turn into objects. And mm-hmm. so the question is, number one, Mrs. Potts is a lot older than we would think she could be a mother for Chip for. Because she looks like she's a very grandmotherly figure when she turns into a human. And he is very clearly in like the Little. You know, five to seven range when he turns back into a kid. So the first thing is, is she really his mother? And the second thing is, where are these kids coming from? I doubt she has that many kids that could all turn into teacups. So it's Aww. kind of, it, it throws a kink in the uh, in the theory of the curse as something that you can actually logically make sense of. My best effort, I think, so far to make sense of it is that whenever the, and this is just totally making stuff up. So we know that the beast's parents are dead. I'm going to go ahead and say, that they died of some kind of a sickness, so they knew they were going to die. I don't know why both of them did at the same time, but maybe his dad died first and then his mom died. But anyway, his mother, knowing that her son was going to be an orphan, had compassion on orphans and kind of opened up the castle to all the orphans. And so right before she died and before Beast became the king, we had this influx of, you know, very small infant orphans into the castle and Mrs. Potts was put in charge of them to take care of them and be a mother figure for them. So whenever they all got turned into objects, they became her little teacups and she was the mother pot. And so they all call her mother, even though she's not really their mother. She's their mother figure. Oh my goodness. That's nuts. So if that queen who's about to die (laughs) would say, I'm about to die and my child will be an orphan. So let's have a bunch more kids around here. Well, I, I kind of think of it more as like, she's like, oh, my child's going to be an orphan. I wish somebody would take care of all the orphans oh. and, you know, just wants all, the all of them puppies. to be taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the Anybody problem with that is... seen VeggieTales? <laughs> oh my gosh. VeggieTales. Good stuff. But the problem with all that is that if that was the case, then Chip would still be like at least 10 years old whenever the curse breaks, which he's not. I think they maybe just weren't thinking exactly about his age. Oh, I know they weren't, but I'm trying to figure it out. (laughs) Well, another thing that I think is interesting is he has a chip, right? But he also has a missing front tooth. Is that a missing tooth or a gap? Oh, I always thought it was missing tooth. I always thought it was a gap. Maybe it could be a gap. Well, maybe it's a chip out of his tooth because I was thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if so like taking a pause and going over to the new version at the end during the big, huge fight when all the townspeople come to the castle, the guy who there's a guy who is a what's it called a musician and he gets turned into a harpsichord. 
and he fights off all of these people by um, shooting his harpsichord keys at them and hitting them with them. But they're basically his teeth. And so when he becomes human again, he doesn't have any teeth because he used them all. Mm -hmm. So if that kind of is applied to maybe Chip, did he have a chipped tooth? And so when he became a cup, he had a chip in his cup? Or did he get a chip in his cup and then because of that, he got a chip in his tooth. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard because uh, I, I try so hard to make it work, but it's like, uh It's this, not going to work completely. This, for me, is like the key problem with this entire movie is chip. and the entire curse is Chip. <laughs> He's the chip. only part that can't fit easily into the puzzle. You're so cute, but you make it not work. And it's funny because originally he wasn't supposed to be a very big part of the movie, but the powers that be, the directors, whoever it was, they loved uh, Bradley's performance so much that they added in extra lines and parts for him into the movie. Well, who uh, wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just have a thing. Big fan. Big fan. Yep. Well, and he does like this awesome, as he's going to the, to the tub, you know, so excited about his story, or not his story, but his his viewing of Bell, he does like his little feet a wiggle. 180 spin in the air there. And he does his little feet wiggle thing, even though he doesn't have feet. He uses his little base. <laughs> I think that's so cute, too. So then, let's talk about the feather duster. Feather duster. The feather duster. We were talking about her for a minute before we went on air, but, um, or started recording. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> but she is a castle housemaid, and she is played by a woman named Kimmy Robertson. And she was 34 when she voiced this character. She's from Los Angeles. And I thought it was interesting because I found out that she started off as a ballet dancer. And she was noticed by an agent who worked in the same building as where her dance studio was. And so her first movie was in 1982 called The Last American Virgin. And she was in lots of movies like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Twin Peaks, the TV show, Stuart Little, the movie. She was, she did a voice on Pepper Ann. Did you watch Pepper Ann? Yeah. Yeah. She was one of the sisters in The Little Mermaid. So she's got some some good credits there on her resume, and I thought she did a really good job as the feather duster. I think in one of the later Belle movies, they call her Fifi. Ah, uh, the later movies. I'm not uh, sure how I feel about those. I know how I feel. I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> They're never as good as the originals. Yeah. Well, okay, sometimes they are. Like, mm -hmm. Toy Story, they well, have some pretty good sequels. But but th th there's kind of a difference there. I guess we have to put the caveat in there of, of Disney sequels, because <laughs> Disney is notoriously bad for having sequels. I mean, they're like, hey, this is a box office hit. Let's throw together number two and three. And Land Before Time, is that Disney? Land Before Time um, 17? No, it's not, but I love <laughs> Land Before Time, the first one. The rest of yeah. them are mush. But, I mean, some of them are bearable. My kids watch them because they're children, <sighs> and my wife lets them because she likes cheesy B-movies. <laughs> um, 
But the one. Well, we love you, Carrie. <laughs> the one I love I... my own cheesy B movies, just not the Disney sequel kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mulan two. I, I put my foot down. Do not watch it. Do I haven't seen that one. It. Don't. Most of them I haven't seen. It's just painful. Oh. And I love Mulan. I love Mulan. But uh, what you? But this do? isn't a bash. We still love Disney. Yes. Still love Disney. Okay, so I, this week was thinking, okay, I really want to watch The Court Jester again. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. Okay, it has Danny Kaye in it, and it has Angela Lansbury in it when she was young and gorgeous. I mean, as opposed to more experienced and gorgeous. And <laughs> <laughs> so I had completely forgotten that she was in that, and it makes me all the more excited to go watch it. So. I didn't realize that she was uh, the voice of the Empress in Anastasia. Yeah, she is. Yes, our researcher Sally pointed that out to me, and I was like, what? I love Anastasia. Did you know they made a musical out of Anastasia? Yeah, I think you mentioned that last time. Oh, okay. Sorry. I guess I'm just excited Sorry. about it. <laughs> <laughs> a little excited, Janae. A little bit. Okay, simmer down, Janae. Um, also, Chip, in this says the most the, the most cute guileless I told you so ever in the history of the world. Told you. <laughs> told you. <laughs> okay, so I have a question about um I mean obviously Chip has a lot of issues in making sense, but uh-huh. in this in this minute he's got like himself like a cup full of bubbly water and then he spits it out of his chipped tooth. <laughs> um, then the water goes away. So like the stuff inside of him as a cup goes through his mouth and out. Is that correct? Or does he have like water? Does he have like a second inner stomach that is not the inside of the cup? Well, um, first of all, I had not noticed any of that. Second <laughs> of all, I have no idea. Okay. Cause it looks like from, from what I can tell, he's got like bubbly stuff in him and then he spits and then there's nothing inside him. So I think. Like, there's an actually a hole, his mouth is a hole into the cup, so if he talks and has something in him, it should all spill out. Should. Anyway. Doesn't he talk later on while he has tea in him when he's talking to Belle? Probably, and I think when when he first went to Maurice, he had tea in him, and he was like, ah, it tickles. Maybe it's just magical and unexplainable. (laughs) No, I guess it could be like a, you know... An epiglottis type thing where he can shut it and open it, depending on what he's trying to do. I don't even know what the word epiglottis means. It's the little, it's the little <laughs> flappy thing um, that is like in your your lower throat that your esophagus, I guess. Oh, that controls if your air is going to your lungs or if your that pipe's going down to your stomach. It's the oh. little diverter flap. That's what gets it gets out of sync whenever you have the hiccups, and that's what causes hiccups. You're so smart. Yeah, if only I could figure out how to get rid of hiccups. But we digress. Let's get back to the minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, Uh, so so next we move on to Cogsworth and Lumiere, right? Yes. They're so funny. (laughs) Cogsworth is just going off, and Lumiere is just like... Looking at his nails, like, I don't freaking care anything you're saying. <laughs> and then he starts mimicking him and making fun of him behind his back. I love that. His little, like, canned puppet thing, but it's a candle. Yeah. <gasps> okay, so I have always wondered 
like, I guess I didn't wonder, but it always bugged me that I couldn't tell what he was saying, Cogsworth was saying here. He says, irresponsible, devil may care, waxy, it's slack-jawed. <laughs> and I, I could never tell what that second one was. And so I looked it up, and it's devil may care. So he's irresponsible, devil may care, waxy, it's slack-jawed. And I was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so I, I looked know. it up. What does it mean? It is someone who is cheerful or reckless, lighthearted, ah. devil may care, young pilots, it says. That's awesome. So it says it's actually a shortened idiom. The entire idiom is the devil may care, but I do not. The expression appears to have had the same meaning from its earliest usages. Philip Maureen Fernot, who was born in 1752 to 1832, wrote his poem, The Expedition of Timothy Taurus Astrologer, in 1775, which is, I believe, right around the time this movie is happening. Hmm. And one of the verses is, Then the soldier went out to refresh at the end. Perhaps he did not. If he did, it's no sin. He made his cognate. I think that's how you say that. <laughs> and he bowed to us all, and he said he was going to Liberty Hall. Tis certain he went, but certainly where, I cannot inform, and the devil may care. That the thought isn't finished is immaterial, as the implication is that the speaker in this poem does not care. Of note as well is the fact that the expression is used with the knowledge that readers understand what it is meant by the author. And then cool. it goes on to say that it probably came like, went all the way back to the 1720s from the golden age of piracy. Yeah, it says where on the high seas, pirates recklessly went about their business with no worry or concern as to any consequences resulting from their actions. The only being that might care about their actions would be, of course, the devil, hence the expression. Interesting. That's I'll cool. I'll expect a two-page report from all listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm happy to finally know what he is saying there and understand what it means. That's so funny. I love how when Lumiere says, it's a girl, he's like surprised and excited. And Cogsworth, instead of just being like, oh my gosh, yeah. He's like, I know, I'm not stupid. Like he (laughs) automatically assumes that Lumiere is like telling him. But he's kind of just exclaiming, you know. I know it's a girl. (laughs) I don't think that's what he meant, but okay. A little defensive, Cogsworth. Yeah. I think that's what makes him so funny. He just interprets all of these things so wrong sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) As we're watching Belle go down the hallways looking for Maurice, we see a few more paintings and I actually got some screenshots of them and tried to like do Google searches and figure out where because some of them definitely look like they came you know they're trying to represent actual paintings um there's one in particular you can see fairly well at second 42 I couldn't find anything though in my searching and I didn't have a ton of time to search so if you are an art history buff a lot of the paintings I think we were talked about this a little bit. A lot of the paintings in the castle are based off of actual artists from that kind of time period. And so some are just kind of done in the style of that art, and some are actually kind of copies of famous paintings. So I was thinking this one was, but I couldn't find anything. So if you know anything about that, let us know. and We'll, we'll post it up and we'll talk about it and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard some people talk about when Lumiere says, that she is the one, the girl who can break the spell. I feel like I've heard some people talk about how 
Um, possibly they knew that there was like one person who was supposed to come, and I, I don't think that he, that's what he meant when he said that. I think he's just super optimistic, like you said, devil may care, and he automatically assumes that she's gonna be able to break the spell because he expects things to work out well in the end and he because this is the only girl that's come and they're running out of time <laughs> of course she is someone who can break the spell so she's going to be the one who can break the spell and so i i liked that thought that sometimes we have to have faith and optimism that things are going to work out and when we work hard Usually they do because they definitely work to make everything turn out good in the end. And then I thought super smart move for them to lead her to her father, which I don't quite understand why they automatically knew to do that. Well, they know that she's looking for someone and I'm assuming they know that Maurice is Maurice because they talked to him a little bit at least. Right. And Obviously, who else would she be looking for? Right, right. I mean, I'm sure they know who she's looking for, but I don't know. Well, and Cogsworth isn't necessarily the one doing the leading. No. Uh, Lumiere kind of takes off and Which he moves really, really fast. He basically goes inside the door and then you almost immediately see her step through the door behind him. And then next thing you know, you can't even see him. On the steps, all you see is his light. Yeah. And I was like, how How does he move that fast? He's very fast and very sneaky. <laughs> very. And rather quiet, considering and he's very, made very out sneaky. of metal and he is on stone floors. Well, I thought it was, I mean, I guess it's not interesting, but there's definitely a change in the, the feel of the castle and the decoration and the, and the finish of it. As you go from that hallway through that, you know, big, strong looking door on the other side of it. You have, like, stone, unfinished, and yeah. kind of dirty, grubby looking as you're going up into the, the, the tower, the dungeon area. So it's kind of interesting that that's right on the other side of this door in this nice looking hallway with the, you know, red carpet. Yeah. I think, um, I thought it was interesting that, I mean, everything just seems so clean. Yeah. And she isn't really creeped out or anything or afraid because, I mean, if I were in an empty castle looking for my father and, like, no one's answering but, like, candles are lit or whatever, I think I would be kind of creeped out and be like, oh, my gosh. Especially when she starts going up this stone spiral staircase. I mean, it would be creepier if it was, like, dusty and dirty, but a circular stone staircase? I've been in one of those in the Tower of London, and I don't care. It's creepy. It's creepy. Why is it creepy? I was one... I was in one in uh, Notre Dame, and it wasn't creepy. It was kind of cool. It was re- really cramped, but this one isn't as as cramped as that. Okay, well, maybe it's just the Tower of London. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tower of London is kind of a creepy place. But yeah. I don't know. Seems like it would be creepy to me. I guess I was hearing a bunch of stories while I was in there about scary, sad things that had happened. So maybe that influenced my impression yeah that could definitely be true because uh when i was at notre dame like they had the the steps and you know they've used it for centuries and stuff and so there's not a ton of room on on the staircases and everybody walks in the middle because you can only be like one person at a time and so there's like a huge indention where the (laughs) everybody's steps have worn away into 
have worn you know a lower spot into each step wow. and so i guess i was just like hey just think of like all the monks that have walked up this thing oh my gosh thousands and, no not thousands but hundreds and hundreds of years yeah so that's probably not as scary as uh you know all the fun stuff they did in the tower of london <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well, anyway, that's pretty much all I've got for today. Uh, I think that's about all I had as well. You did make me think of, we watched the other day, my wife and I, Penelope. Oh, that's a great movie. if you don't know movie. what movie that is, it's about a girl that is born cursed to have a pig face. She's a blue blood and she has to find another blue blood that accepts her with her piggy face for the curse to break. So in that movie, and it's kind of a, a similar premise... Um, she has to find someone to love her despite her looks. They had, you know, the pretty much the whole movie is her mom trying to get all these uh, eligible all these bachelors, guys, yeah, eligible <laughs> rich bachelors to come and interview them and try to get them to to marry her. And they always get scared off and stuff. And it's it's a great movie, but it made me think: Did they try to do that with the beasts? Like when the curse first happened? Ooh, you know, did they have? I guess women come and, and then they gave up over time, and now Lumiere's like, ah. She's the one, because they've already tried a bunch, and they kind of gave up, and now here's one out of nowhere at the end. Huh. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Possibly. Yeah. So, maybe. But that kind of goes against the whole theory that everybody forgot about the castle due right. to the curse. Right. Well, we'll see as the movie goes on whether I... S- I'm not sure which theory I think is right. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's all I have for Minute 21. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you going on this journey with us and joining us again after your weekend. Yes. <laughs> if you'd like to get a hold of us, make sure to head over to our Facebook and Twitter accounts. We are Beastly Minute everywhere. You can also find us on growlermedia.com where you can find other great podcasts by Growler Media. If you want to get a hold of me, the best way to do so is through those Things that I just mentioned today, how can people get a hold of you? <laughs> you can get a hold of me on Facebook at JH Voiceover. You can also find me on YouTube. And very soon I'm going to have my website set up and ready to go. And as soon as I have the URL for that, I'll be sharing that with you. And I'm super excited to have that up and running and share some of my work. And yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Alrighty. Well, we will see you guys tomorrow. We're excited. Later on this week, we are going to be having George from the Mogwai Minute come on and guest with us for a few days. So be looking forward to that. Also, I'm trying to trying to plug some more of the, the Movie by Minute podcasts that are out there. So if you like this format and you like movies uh, go check out the rocketeer minute they're just starting up and they are doing an awesome job so if you love disney movies adventure romance check out the rocketeer minute they've got it all there as well and that's it for us we will see you tomorrow until then (gasps) it's a girl our theme music is by duo hansen Something is really different on the growler.